0: Hello, I'm Pastor Michael Shannon with Identity Church in Deltona, Florida. We're glad that you made a decision to watch the service today. Please stay tuned after the service for more information about Identity Church. Now let's go ahead and join the service already in progress. All right. All right. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see you guys. I just thank the praise team for uh, providing an atmosphere for us to be able to join the Lord in. Amen. God inhabits the praises of his people. So I appreciate that. Well, I'm excited about uh, our time together. Um, I'm going to start tonight and conclude on Sunday morning. And I guess if I have a, a serious title, the sound man wanted I me mean to know if I had if I have a serious title, it would be uh, The Unexcapable Fight for Our Future. Subtitle would be A Life That is Settled is the Life That is Separated. So I think that we're in a tremendous time of revealing And everything about this time, whether we're looking at it governmentally, we're looking at it socially, we're looking at it economically, looking at it spiritually, it's definitely a great opportunity to be able to see whether or not we have settled. And if wherever we've settled, I'll guarantee you, that's where we're separated. I call it gaps. And One thing I've learned about gaps is that's normally where deception lies, is in the gaps. And the enemy will keep somebody as deceived as long as he possibly can. And there's reasons for it. It's because normally we have a destiny. We have a purpose in our creation that's supposed to be in sync or in cadence with God's timing so that we can not only be part of moves, but we can also explain moves of God. I want to I want to be like Peter on the day of Pentecost I want to wreck I want to tell the people this is that which the Prophet Joel had spoken about and then be so informed or prepared by way of being informed by the Lord that I can explain it to the people how many realize that when that manifestation hits the entire city was under under the sway uh, they were under the influence of a, of a feast but when the outpouring or the movement came, it shifted the attention of that city and thousands began to get saved. Um, I, I, you know, maybe I'm a dreamer, maybe I'm just an overblown optimist, but I just really believe that uh, we, are, uh, we are mandated, our, our generation, my generation, your generation, the generations that are alive on the face of the earth were mandated uh, for a move of God. I, I, I believe that. I, I've just, I've been spoken to too many times by the Lord. I've been prepared through dreams, through visions. Uh, and and my, most of my assignments to the body of Christ is to try and get people in a position that will get them ahead of the curve. That's not a bad position to be in. So if you have your Bibles tonight uh, or your iPhones or, uh, you know, Android phones or Surface pads or iPads, whatever you use, I'm sure the building has Wi-Fi, I'm going to preach from the Bible, uh, from a leather-bound Bible, New King James Version, the real version of the Bible. You just got to throw that out there just to be a little spiritually sarcastic. Right. <laughs> oh, all right. Apostle saved. <laughs> okay. Um, some. Some. You know. I. I. And really, to be honest with you, I was. I was watching the screen earlier in the. In, uh, before service, and I really like the way the backdrop shows up on the telecast. It's very, very sharp. Very sharp. Um, Okay, that was just a thought that I had earlier before service started, but now I've shared my thoughts with you. Okay, Um, John 18, and we're going to start reading in verse 17. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I'm not. Now, this is important for us to see. Now, the servants of the officers who made, had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So here is a man that has made a decision to leave his livelihood and to follow the Lord, but now... We, f- we find uh, not the first evidence, but maybe Peter recognizing for the first time, I'm not okay. Hmm. Because if you look at the life of Peter in Jesus' interaction with Peter for three and a half years, you'll find that uh, Peter denied the Lord multiple times and in multiple ways. And all Jesus was trying to get him to see was how settled he was and how that settledness was really a separation between him and the nature that Jesus was trying to introduce himself to, introduce himself to Peter concerning. Okay. And it's interesting that he is warming himself in the company of his past, at least right here. Now, now how many realize that That dog only hunts so long. It's only comfortable probably for a few moments. And then you begin to realize, I've gone backwards. I've left the advancement and I've gone backwards. And it's a miserable place to be in. So let me just throw a few uh, thoughts. Uh, Let me read one more passage of scripture um, to you before we move on. It's found in the 21st chapter of John. And this will be something that we'll look at as we go on, but in John 21, verse eight, but the other disciples came uh, in a little boat for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Now, I point that out only because it shows us how far back they've gone. This very scenario is in Luke chapter five, where Jesus has introduced himself to these disciples and beckoned them to follow him. Now, he has brought everything full circle, and I'm thankful that wherever I'm settled, really where I'm separated, he'll bring everything full circle for me to have an opportunity to do something about it. Now, we know what was going on in Luke chapter 5. It was not only an introduction of Jesus to these men and these men following Jesus from that point of contact, but the the terminology here in, in the word for they were not far from land. The law kept them from, or kept them bound to only fishing for specific fish that could be found in the shallows. What was Jesus' instructions to these men in Luke 5, when they had tarried all night and caught nothing? Get in the boat, launch out into the deep. They had gone back to the shallowness of the law, and they were being introduced when Jesus was introducing himself and bringing them along to the depth that they were really called to. So I point that out for a reason, okay? And notice what happens here in verse nine. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals. Peter is warming himself, at a fire of coals and he's trying to find comfort by going back to his past. Jesus has stoked a fresh fire of coals and waiting for Peter to come to his senses and rejoin the movement because he had a purpose to fulfill on the face of the earth. Amen. So I think that there's uh, some moving that is going on right now. And when I use these words, I know that they can sound cliche. Uh, You know, we use these terminologies to try and explain things, you know, some shifting that's going on. But it's really all it is, is God taking us beyond the place where we're at. And it's a new posture, a new position that is ready to yield some new fruit, to be completely honest with you, it's drawing close to the Lord. And I believe that if we have thought his presence has been good, I don't think that we've really seen anything yet, to, to, be, to be honest with you. Now, I, I'm going to use a word that that uh, uh, is probably commonly used in church. It's the word Shekinah. It's, it's a word that uh, tries to describe God's presence when really it's undescribable. Because if you've ever been in it, the things that I have witnessed by being in it, number one, sin cannot hide there. And number two, my will cannot coexist there. And number three, I'm trying to weave my body into the carpet because I feel like everything about me is dying. Now, and really, this is what I believe. I've been in it three times. And every time I'm in it, the Lord keeps telling me, son, this is the atmosphere that I want to rule my church from. Okay, remember this, God's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. But he's not not to the degree omnipresent that he might be here, then maybe he might be somewhere else. He's omnipresent. He's the same everywhere, everywhere. But to the degree that he's able to manifest himself, that's different. He manifests himself to the hungry. To, to the yielded, to the vulnerable, right? So I, I really think that we're not really sure, or I'm not really sure the fruit there, that we're about ready to bear, but I, I got a feeling there's going to be a huge uh, attention shift, uh, eyes off of man and eyes on God. You know, I've always believed this, and, and, and I, I think that it possibly could be a coming truth that we won't have to wait to get healed, will get healed by just experiencing the product of his atmosphere. You know, uh, delivered, saved, you know, uh, I think that the Lord knows how to give his own altar calls, but you know, um, I, I really believe that, you know, this is stuff that, uh, that the dreams are made from and made for, to be honest with you. And, um, I think that God is, uh, introducing himself to the body of Christ in a, in, a, in a fresh way. I know that I've been going through some some tremendous uh, introductions over the last seven to eight months, and I'll talk more about that. But in Acts chapter 2, we, we know the day of Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost was being celebrated. The day of Pentecost had come. They were all in the upper room. They were seeking the Lord. And there's scholars that that say that they were in the upper room because they were there out of fear. And that's probably there's there's an element of truth to that. But I got a feeling that the majority of them were there because of obedience. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Jesus appeared to over 500 at one time, told them to go. We know what happens, 120 show. So I think that when you show up where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, that's when God shows up. How many realize that when you're doing what God wants you to do, when he wants you to do it, you're invincible? Because you have his endorsements, right? And my approach to ministry has totally changed over the last seven months. Totally changed. My attitude about ministry has changed. My heart condition about ministry has changed. My mindset my delivery, the way I handle people, totally changed. And and I believe that I, I'm not quite sure about uh, the full measure of the product yet. But there's some some pretty cool things that are going on, you know. Um, starting to get doctor verification of MRIs and things of this sort, where people are getting clean bills of health, and and it has everything to do with just uh, a word of knowledge and them being in the presence of it. It is really cool. It really is. To God be the glory. Amen. I mean, who else can you give the glory to? Well, maybe if I if I look like I've been saved again, then rejoice with me. Amen. Okay. so, um, you know, I I think that um, that God always shows up, whether these these guys were up there in, in, in fearing for their lives or not. God always shows up to replace something, to replace whatever it might be fear for faith, whatever it is. There's always a replacement when God shows up. Or basically, let me retract that, when I show up to where he is. you know, And, and, and I will tell you, this is where it all started. Uh, but we'll get into that in just a minute, okay? So um, I personally believe that Peter would not have been in the position that he found himself in on the day of Pentecost unless the Lord had made this second fire of coals and said, Peter, you and I need to, we need to have a sit down, come to Jesus meeting. Okay. Because in chapter 18, it is the first verbal statement publicly outside of Jesus's presence of the evidence of his, his denial. Even though there's been denial, and we'll look at that along the way, there's been denial along the way, okay? So um, I think that Jesus knew that Peter needed to be somewhere, and it happened to be beyond this second meeting place of the fire of coals. That was to be a representative on the day of Pentecost to explain the outcoming, to explain it thoroughly to the people. And I personally believe that God has always had somebody like this, Joseph was a man that had explanations all attached to him. How many realize that? I mean, it probably wasn't the smartest thing for Joseph to tell his brothers what was going on in his heart. You know, I mean, we know the evidence of that, right? But we also know that Psalms uh, uh, 109 verse uh, 19 tells us that the word that was spoken to Joseph came to test him. Right. So everything that Joseph went through, whether it be because of ignorance or whether it be because of pride or it could be a thousand different things, that all was getting worked out of him so that he could be a representative. How many realize that that same process engages our life? We go through siftings and we we. I wouldn't worry about the people that have uh, not returned from the pandemic, because I, I think that it's been a sovereign sifting to be honest with you. And I think that what it's doing is it's making room for a harvest. I want to encourage you. You're about ready to start going to church with people that you've never met before. Okay? But the Lord knows that they're supposed to be here okay so Joseph was somebody like that and and you know Joseph uh, we, we know what was going on we, we know that his brothers lashed out his brothers tried to kill him then his brothers wanted to capitalize on him sold him into slavery we know what happens he's he's framed in in, in Potiphar's house he, he's uh, forgotten about in in, in the dungeon he, he's brought before Pharaoh because somebody had to be there to interpret what nobody else could Now, this is what I want you. Believe what just said to us. This is what I want. This is what I want you to. This is what I want you to catch. See, you need to catch this by the Spirit. Pharaoh, Potiphar's house, and all of his brothers, everybody that came against him, was trapped in his favor, and there was nothing they could do about it. It required Joseph to do what was right when everybody else around him was doing something wrong to cause an end result. Now that's an earmark of maturity. Now, I'm, oh, somebody help me! I'm, I'm now I, I feel the Holy Ghost on me. Now it's it's, o- it's over now. <laughs> Amen. How many realize that that's exactly what was going on with Peter? Peter. Mm-hmm. There was a destiny in Peter that Jesus knew that Peter really did not want to miss. It's just his ignorance was causing him. Maybe even some behavior that was standing in the way that he knew about, it was going to cost him unless the Lord had brought him to this second meeting place. Okay? So I think that right now there's this there's this settling that's being revealed that's really showing us how separated we really are. Okay? Okay? Second or First Chronicles twelve and thirty two we know what happens the sons of Issachar they could discern the times and then and then have the wisdom to know what to do Daniel was a man just like Joseph there there was the need of, of proper interpretation and Daniel happened to be there see he, you know he he might have been pulled from his home at an early age an just act against him but he kept his relationship with God where it needed to be okay. And and even when he was in the lion's den, how many realize that God didn't deliver him from the lion's den? He just joined him in it. And see, we gotta, I think the Christian people, it's easy to find God when everything's good. But let me find somebody that knows the Lord when all hell's broke loose. Finding God in the time of tribulation and trials and testings really shows you how far you've come. Okay? So I think that there's just this tremendous uh, uh, uncovering, this tr- tremendous opportunity to see. And I think that we are going to pay attention probably to some things in Peter, because how many realize that the problem that was going on in Peter ha- didn't have anything to do with his spirit man? It had everything to do with the condition of his soul, right? You know, our spirit man is where our dreams and our visions are generated by the Holy Spirit, this fellowship that we have with the Holy Spirit. So our spirit man is born again. It's, it's rejuvenated. It's in right relationship with God. It's undefiled. OK, it, the problem is, is in the mind, the will and the emotions. Now, we know Third John 2, brethren, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So I think that what God does is from his spirit, he pastors our soul. Because that's the area of our life that needs to be pastored. OK, and listen, if you will, if you will let the Lord pastor your soul, you know what will happen? It'll be impossible, impossible, for you to to uh, uh, how could I say uh, uh, when somebody's out to kill somebody, um, yeah, yeah. That's 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 what that's what happens. Yes, uh, assassinates. When you let the Lord pastor your soul, it's impossible for anybody to assassinate you. How many realize that that's, that's one of the roles of an apostle? One of the roles of a prophet. Let me retract that. One of the roles of a prophet. Remember when when, uh, Saul had sent assassins to to try and kill David? And we know that David had taken refuge where Samuel lived. Where Samuel lived, the Hebrew word for that, that town means to pastor. When you have a prophet pastoring you, it is impossible for you to be assassinated. You need to understand that. OK, and the, and the, we got to get past some of these these identity crises that we have in church. But most of the time, what tries to get in the way is the hurts and the hindrances that need to be either be healed or need to need to be repented of. And they're in our soul. Right now. This is, um, we'll look at, we're going to look at some lifelines here, like Galatians 2.11, where it says, now Peter had come to Antioch, Peter, and, and this is Paul talking, I was, or when he came to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was, he was to be blamed. We know what's going on. When he was with the Jews, he acted like a Jew. When he was with the Gentiles, he acted like a Gentile, right? And he was being hypocritical. Well, Peter begins to realize that Paul was an extension of God's mercy to his life he writes in second peter chapter 3 verse 15 and consider that the long suffering of our lord is salvation as our beloved brother paul according to the wisdom given to him has written to you so even in the confrontation between peter and paul he he realizes that paul was sent to help him okay and please hear me in this when we can't hear what needs to be heard We are normally on a collision course with confrontation somewhere. That confrontation might be in your marriage when we can't hear our spouse the way we need to hear our spouse. How many realize that women and dolphins have a way of hearing that men don't? (laughs) Right? I should probably... Bad joke. Uh, but anyways, uh, I've just learned. I've learned. Normally, I I, I I always make the mistake when I ask my wife what where she wants to eat after church, and she just says, oh, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I that one. I, I, I've learned that, oh, I don't care means she does care. <laughs> and I just need to find out where she wants to eat. You know? I know that nobody's ever made that mistake, okay? So... There's something in Peter that Jesus was trying to get Peter to identify with. First and foremost, he was trying to get him to identify with faith. He was trying to tell Peter, look, if you'll recognize what's down on the inside of you, it'll never fail you. If you'll pay attention to the treasure that is in you. See, people always ask me, you know, where's the next move of God coming from? And I keep telling them it's coming from what you already possess, you know, and, and, and see, people will say, well, you know, what, what's the what's the new normal? And some guy asked me, you know, just that was a loaded question. I didn't really realize what was getting ready to come out of me when he asked me. He said, what's the new normal? And the Holy Ghost said, tell him that when he starts acting normal, it'll be new. <laughs> <laughs> Probably That sounded like, you know, a Charlie Coker quote, but that's what the Lord said, you know. I mean, uh I got to be careful about how, how much time I spend around this guy. <laughs> Love him, but he is a different cat. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, nah, I know you don't get it. I know you don't get it. But anyways, um, so, <laughs> so we know that in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed that your faith would not fail you. So there's treasure in us, right? Treasure in us, okay? Remember in Matthew 15 when um, Jesus was uh, holding a three-day miracle and healing crusade and he gets to the end of that third day and the greatest miracle that his disciples were going to gleam from had not yet been wrought. Their greatest lesson had not been learned. Now they're gleaming on what it's going to take to be a representative of him by being around him for the last three days. And then Jesus says to them, I want to feed these people. The scripture says that they were in the wilderness. And Jesus said, I want to feed them. Now the disciples quickly rose up and said, Lord, we're in the wilderness. We have no means of being able to go and buy. They had the money to do so. I'll be glad when people change their mind about money and ministry. Hello? They had the money to do so. They just didn't have the means to buy it. They were in the wilderness. And you know what Jesus said to them? Just give me what you have. You know what they had? They had two fish and seven loaves of bread. Nine articles of substance. You always are going to possess nine articles of substance. The nine gifts of the Spirit. The nine fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said, let me have what you have. I gave it to you anyways. And bring it to me. Because as long as you have it, and you have it under the influence of where you're at, it'll never reach the potential as if I were to take it and bring it under the influence that I live under. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if they were in the wilderness. It didn't matter. What they had was the very thing that Jesus was going to use to feed the thousands with. It just needed to be exposed to a different different enlightenment. Amen? A different influence. Right? I'll be glad when God's people get close enough to him. To actually see that what they already possess is the very thing that's going to change people's lives. Bless you. So in Matthew chapter 16, we know that Peter's having another awakening. Jesus has asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And we know the, the whole Uh, Rigmarole, and and then he finally just says, "Well, who do who do who do you say that I am?" And it was only Peter that could speak up, and say, "You are the Son of the Living God. You're the Incarnate Christ." Uh, We know what happens. The gates of hell will not prevail against this. You know all this. And then what's interesting to me is this man that has just now had this enlightenment. Here's what Jesus has to say about what he has to do, and this man that has had this enlightenment takes the incarnate Son of God aside and rebukes him. Not about you. I could probably I'm gonna say it because I'm I'm in this church. That's some kahunas. That really is. I don't know about you, but I mean he's just was that offensive? Did I did I say that gracefully enough where, where people <laughs> translate I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna leave it alone, man. It, but man, I, mean, I want you to think about it. He's had this revelation of who Jesus is. You're the Son of God. But uh, Lord, I've got a few things I need to talk to you about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had advice for the Lord? Right? I don't. Know. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. But that, that's okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> And, and it didn't work out. Didn't <laughs> didn't work out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but what does the Lord do? The Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. Yep. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of men. So what is he doing? He's addressing the influence that is on Peter. that's trying to stand in the way of his continued influence of who Jesus is right and, and 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 see i think sometimes we get offended in church when somebody's actually speaking spiritually like this i mean we're under an influence and we're under a wrong influence there's a gap there that normally we have let preachers entertain us in you know what's interesting to me is is what you know people that have familiarities in their life what they'll normally do is they'll gravitate to a preacher that will preach emotionally to the degree that they'll entertain those familiarities there's great stage presence but there's no authority right always remember that demons will respect authority but religious folk won't And I think that sometimes we can find out how religious we really are. These gaps, these, these, these suggestions that we have for God, when really maybe it's our surrenderance to his authority, where we learn real lordship and authority that causes some of these character issues to finally be eliminated. Okay? So in in John 6, verses 66 through 70, what do we find? We find that Jesus is saying the right thing at the right time to get people that are following him for the wrong reasons to leave him. Did you hear what I said? I said Jesus is saying the right thing at the right time to the right people who are following him for the wrong reasons. There's a crowd of people that are following Jesus for only what they can get from him. So Jesus rolls up on him one day and he says, "Look," he says, uh, "There's going to come a day where you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood." And they all fled. They all left. And Jesus turns and looks at his disciples and he says, "Are you going to leave me too?" Right? And what does Peter say? No, 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 no. We're not. I'm not leaving. But yet in the garden when Jesus is seized, he left. They all left. Oh, yeah, he went out swinging. Okay. So, you know, before we get too drastically hard on Peter. Oh, I love Peter. Because my character. <laughs> yeah yeah it really truly I, that's who, that's who I am that that's who I've uh, I I've really been uh, you know go you know cuz you can find certain characters in the bible where you you can pay real close to their identity and kind of go whoa that's me you know but even with all of the preparation that Jesus did with Peter to be honest with you biblically I don't quite know how far Peter really ventured off of Solomon's porch in Acts chapter 10, let me just give you a little uh, background on some things concerning Peter. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, who is a Gentile, has a visitation from God, and in this visitation they were supposed to go and fetch Peter. Well, we know Peter is on a rooftop, he's fasting and praying, and a scroll rolls, rolls out of heaven. And God says to, to Peter, I want you to slay and eat. Well, what does Peter say? Not so, Lord. It's important to pay attention to that terminology. Not so, Lord. Okay? Now, how many realize that all Cornelius wanted was to come to church? That's all he wanted. Can I be honest with you? I think there's a whole lot of folk in this city. All they want to do is come to church. But something's standing in the way. And God says to Peter, it was time for Peter to learn how to eat pork. <laughs> bottom line, bottom line. Time, Peter. It's time for you to have a different appetite. Ooh, we did. Susie was moving prophetically in the kitchen. I don't. I can't see her. I don't know if she's eating candy right now or not. I pray that she's not eating candy right now. If she's eating candy right now, I'm saying the benediction and but it, it, Peter says, not so, this is interesting to me. I like tying stuff together because in John 13, remember Jesus wants to wash Peter's feet. And what does Peter want? Wash my hands and he and wash my he wanted ceremonial washings, okay? directly out of the law. These guys, if they brushed elbows with a Samaritan or a Gentile in any way, they had to go through these Samarital washings. To find themselves clean. And now Peter is being dealt with by God. Okay. He says in John 13, the same thing that he says in John 10 or in Acts 10, not so Lord, but my hands and my head too. So there's some things in Peter that are standing in the way of him capturing the heart that Jesus is trying to develop in him. You know, it's interesting that in Mark chapter 7, three-quarters of that chapter is dedicated to ceremonial washing, standing in the way of a pure heart. So when you look at Matthew 23, verses 30 through 36, we find a whole chapter of Jesus saying, Woe unto y'all. Right? I mean, he's calling them whitewashed sepulchres and grave unaware and all kinds of things, right? And this is what he says. In verse verses 30 through 36, he says, he's talking to the Pharisees here. He says, you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Actually, you're their fruit. Now, I bring that out for a reason. Because in this time, if you disagreed in any way, you found yourself in jeopardy of being kicked out. Like the man in John 9. How many realize that the only problem that existed in that chapter is that that miracle happened on the Sabbath? Even though it was a messianic prophetic manifestation, it happened on the Sabbath, these guys knew it was scriptural. These guys knew it pointed that whoever did this was the incarnate Son of God. They knew it, but it happened on the Sabbath. It was one step beyond where they were, and they were having a hard time accepting it because it was different than what they were used to. Christians find themselves in that same boat. Something something comes along, it's scriptural, but it's different. The fruit of it is different. Okay? And because it's, it's beyond our comfort, we sometimes have a hard time accepting it. Okay? So in, in John 9, it's interesting because the whole interrogation starts. <laughs> this guy, I mean, Jesus, Jesus makes some mud. You know, one of the strongest parts of your, your DNA is in your saliva. I think the strongest part of Jesus' DNA was in his blood but anyways, he spit on the ground, made some mud, sticks it on his eye sockets, he receives sight. He goes to the Pool of Shalom, he washes, he receives sight. He doesn't even know who worked the miracle. All he knows is that the manifestation of this miracle changed him in such a way that people that grew up living next to him couldn't recognize him. I want you, next time you get around somebody that you haven't seen in 10 or 15 years, and if they have not given their life to Christ, they'll definitely see the difference between you and them. Okay. The evidence of Jesus is very clear in our lives. All right. So we know what happens. We know that there's an interrogation that takes place. They drag in the man's parents. Is this your son? Was he born blind? Whose fault was it? Was it his fault? Your fault? Jesus is going, nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. This just happened to be in direct timing of me crossing the path of this man and doing what the Father put in place long before I could get here. All I had to do is just be sensitive enough to experience the kairos and know what to do. You and I are not any different. I'm sitting in a Bible study on Wednesday night and it dawns on me that I dreamt about being there two nights prior. How many realize I was there on a mandate? The world calls it deja vu. I call it my body catching up with where my spirit's in fellowship with the Holy Ghost. All I got to do is just pay attention. I'm not trying to be spooky. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just trying to recognize. I got I to gotta be able to discern my atmosphere. I got I to gotta know what to do. I got to be prepared before I get there. And a lot of times, you uh, uh, give me a witness, you'll get a download a year in advance two years in advance, and if you don't keep that alive, when the timing of it comes, it can catch you off guard, okay? And a lot of times, you know, what the Lord shows you is not anything you're supposed to stick your nose in anyways. You're supposed to find yourself in a position of being an intercessor. I don't know about you, but I've blown up too many things. I've learned the hard way, okay? No, I have. I, I, that's, why, that's why my approach to ministry is very different. Okay, You know, when I was here last, Stephanie, I put, an, I put an offense into the atmosphere, not meaning to do so. I was trying to address a spiritual atmosphere, but it ended up being an offense unnecessarily, but I was still the cause of it because of my immaturity. And I apologize to you on the phone today for that. And so, like I said, I've relaxed a whole lot since then. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm not trying to be God anymore. I'm not trying to be the smartest guy in the room anymore. So I said that to one minister, and he said, well, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you need to change rooms. <laughs> I said, well, thank you. I said, it's good suggestion. <laughs> right? You know, at ministers, I don't know what it is. We think that we've got to have all the right answers. We've got to be living this perfect life all the time. We're, we're not any different than anybody else. We're just trying to meet with the Lord, trying to hear God, trying to decipher His word and share it and, you know, all grow together. Right? So, I'll be honest with you. Um, there are things, and I, I'm going to close here in just a minute because I, I want, I want to, I'm going to be building on something. There are some things that, um, we can pick up along the way that we might not be aware of. I've come out of some movements, but some movements have not come out of me. You know, you know what I mean? Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, and I press towards the upward call. So I've got to maybe drop down a little bit, shed some skin, and then grow up again. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that what can happen is what can start out insightful and advancing can be the very thing that we can camp on and cause our hearts to grow cold as we defend the past. Do you know how many people I preach to that have on-date labeling on their wine skin and I realize that they are not ready for new wine? You know, when you spot folk and you kind of go, they stopped growing in about 2005. How in the world am I going to share 2022 with them? Right? I'll be sharing with you Sunday morning. What the Lord spoke to me about concerning 2022, the Lord said it's going to be a year of transparency. That word transparency is an interesting word. It means to walk in a light that reveals the one that stands behind you. Y'all feel him now? I'm telling you, I got a feeling that people that are really in sync with God, like Peter, we're all getting in the right position for the right manifestation, okay? Don't fear the adjustments, okay? Don't even fear the beckoning of what you need to do soulishly to find your way out of some things. I'm going to touch on that just real quick, okay? But we might not even really be aware of some of the stuff that we pick up. See, I think that we can only reach a certain level of success until the Lord has opportunity to deal with the condition of our soul. Our soul okay certain level of success in our marriages raising our children our occupations our churches our communities so on and so forth and I will tell you that there is this unescapable cycle of behavior that can be found in Leviticus 5 you can find revelation in any book if you look for it (laughs) in Leviticus 5 you go oh really Leviticus you know (laughs) Leviticus 5 verses 1 through 5, it talks about breaking the cycle of grief that is started by affliction and then affliction that keeps grief in a revolving door. So you go from grief to affliction, affliction to grief, and the cycle never breaks. The behavioral cycle never breaks. But it talks about how to do that, okay? I really believe that this is a time that we find our way into, okay? So, um, With this in mind, we know that what's happening here is that Peter's about ready to make his first denial. He's already made his first denial. He's going to make two others, right? In Matthew 26, 75. And uh, this is where I'll begin to close, okay? And I only have one closing. Just letting you all know. And Peter remembered, uh, Matthew 26, 75, and Peter remembered the word that Jesus had had said to him before the rooster crows, uh, you will deny me three times, so he went out, after he did this, after he denied the Lord three times, he went out, this is important, and wept bitterly. This is an interesting Greek word, words here. It means that he pierced his soul through with his own deliverance. His repentance did that. His recognizing, settling, thinking that he was okay, only to find out how separated he really was. It was was that acknowledgement that moved him to pierce his soul through with his own deliverance. Okay? So, please hear me. I think that the depth of our remorse reveals the depth of our care. Peter, I'm sure, loved God. But I'm sure just didn't know how to show it. Didn't know how to get close enough to it. But I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the Lord working as many angles as he needs to work to finally get my attention. You know, my wife will tell you, she says, you're just about as thick-headed as, as, as it comes. Mm-hmm. She, but she, she says, but once you once you get it, it's like a blind dog in a meat shack. You just, I, I, I get the scent, you know what I'm saying? And, and now I'm on track I'm on track now, okay? But it's just getting me on track, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know that nobody knows what I'm talking about. But anyways, so I think that it was inevitable for uh, Peter when it came to certain areas of his life, when it came to old behavior, all right? Notice what Peter did, he weeps bitterly. But in Matthew 27, three, we see what Judas does he is sorry for what he does he's just sorry so you know people that basically have not had repentance hit them like a runaway truck like it did with Peter are are just people that just well I'm sorry only to be doomed to repeat the behavior grief affliction affliction grief right now, it's interesting to me that this type of intercession of repentance can become a congregational thing. Remember in Isaiah 38.3, Hezekiah gets the news that he's going to die. Isaiah rolls up on him and says, get your affairs in order. You're going to die. The man was 39 years of age when he got that word. He probably wasn't planning on dying. But you know what Hezekiah does? Hezekiah goes out and he weeps bitterly. And God sets the sundial back 10 degrees. See, this is where the scientific world can't find that lapse of time that's missing. Well, it's found in Isaiah 38. No, for real. I'm going to show you some other scientific facts that the science world is, is coming coming into the understanding of, okay, that's pointing in one direction, and that is to the author and the finisher of our faith. All right. So what does he do? He goes out and he weeps bitterly and God gives him 15 more years of life. Ezra chapter 10 verse 1. Judges chapter 21 verse 2. Congregational repentance. Everyone was on their face weeping bitterly. First time it ever happened to me. I'm in the panhandle of Florida preaching a meeting on a Sunday night. About 170 people there. That's not evangelistically speaking. It was rough, good rough figure. Okay. Next thing I know, the atmosphere starts to change. You know what I'm saying? Where, you know, okay, you're shifting out of teaching, shifting out of preaching, shifting maybe even out of the gifts of the Spirit. The atmosphere got scary, and the Lord exposed me to his atmosphere. Actually, what happened was is he walked right up to me and stuck his nose on mine and breathed on me. And they had to pull me out of the fake shrubbery after church. (laughs) I was shaking like a leaf. Had no idea what happened to me. But that's where I began to learn. Sin can't hide. I want to weave my body into the carpet to get away from it because I know that this nature doesn't like to be around it. Uh, My will couldn't coexist. But that 170 people were on the ground wailing, piercing themselves through with deliverance. So it can be a corporate thing. Okay. And watch this. It can be a generational thing too. Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 36, generational deliverance. There's something about the brokenness in a father that positions sons for brokenness. There is a king that begins to weep bitterly and that intercession gets on his sons and they begin to weep bitterly. So we find generational piercing with deliverance in the mind, the will, and the emotions. Amen? So let me just throw out a quick thought. There are seven Psalms in Scripture that that offer forgiveness. It's very interesting to me. Psalm 6, Psalms 32, Psalms 38, and the one that's right in the middle, Psalms 51. David and Bathsheba psalms 102 psalms 130 psalms 143 and tomorrow night well i'm just going to give you a precursor can i do that real quick um i was talking a little bit about some of the fire that i've been in this year it's found in isaiah 48 10 and i i had a prophet approach me and and give me this passage and he said he said to me he said this is what you're coming into and and um I'll be honest with you, there there are times where I've wanted to track that man down and punch him in the face. (laughs) In in Isaiah 48.10 it says, I've tried you, uh, but not as silver. And as you look into that, you begin to realize that, that silver is a harder element than other elements, so it requires being in the fire longer than other elements. And it goes on to say that if you stay in the fire long enough, what it'll do is it'll stop the cycles of afflictions. And uh, before he could give me that word, I'm in this meeting with four other churches and the atmosphere was just wonderful. And the pastor stood up. I mean, what a wise move, stood up and said, do we want to hear from this man or do we want to hear from God tonight? And the minute he said that, he triggered me. And I started prophesying. And I I got caught up in the Spirit, and this is what I saw, so this is what I explained. I I saw a room that was on a little bit higher level than where I was, and I was in kind of a darker-toned room, but yet I could see that in that room, the door had been opened just enough to let light out of that room and suggest to me that I could come in if I wanted. And I began to realize that God was asking me to join him where he was, and, and, and I quit asking him to join me where I was. I began to realize that there was a strategy in a room waiting on me if I was willing to go there. But then I recognized that going through that, that threshold, it required me to fit into a different silhouette than what I was formed in prior getting, prior to getting there. So even though I was walking in an expressed image of Christ, I needed to walk in a different dynamic of revelation to be able to fit into the image, the expressed image that was being given to me in the moment of Christ so that I would have access to that room. A lot of people are trying to come into stuff without changing stuff, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work so I've been in this fire and um it's just been killing me I just i don't know else to say it's just it's just been killing me man killing me I mean um I, I'm just I'm thankful for it because I found somebody in the fire that I didn't really know the way I know him now you know what I'm saying And here's the crazy thing. Uh, Something I've learned is even when you're being purged from something that the Lord knows it's time to remove, you can hear God clearer than than when you're on the mountaintop. I have found his voice in hell clearer than I've heard it on the mountaintop. It's freaked me out. It's changed me. Because a lot of times what happens is, is, you know, God will start pointing some things out. And what, what do we do? We, we want to get into condemnation and we want to, you know, throw guilt on ourselves. And, and you got to remember that when you're probably at your, your, your least most productive time, probably when you think you're, you're most disappointing to the Lord, this is where God's breaking fresh ground. That's all that's going on. But we're thinking about it one way when God's thinking about it a different way. And when you can hear God because of genuine, and really what it shows you is that your repentance is genuine. You're hearing God in in a way that you have never heard him before because of what you're doing. I mean, in the sense of responding, being pierced, being delivered. Amen. Now, I'll be honest with you. And what has happened is the Lord has said some things to me, like in Psalms 139, where it says, I will hedge you in and I will place my hand upon you. Ever since this has started, the hand of God rests on my back. It's the craziest thing, craziest thing, especially when miracles want to break loose. Amen. And because of the hell I've been through, getting rid of the dross in my life, it's brought me to a place of humility where I have no one to give the credit to other than to the Lord. Oh, what a concept. Right? So I I, I just uh, I got to stop. Because I got a feeling that There's a reason why Jesus asked this man three times if he loved him. We'll pick up on this tomorrow. It's because he found him asleep three times. And I think that where our soul is still asleep is where our denials come from. Okay? We're settled. And it's a direct revelation of of how separated we really are. Nobody feeling guilt, nobody feeling condemnation, because I think I don't believe that the Lord operates like that. I believe that he operates in a unconditional. You know, the thing is, is one of the things the Lord's been talking to me about is, son, if I loved you when you were a sinner, you need to get over this. When I loved you when you were a sinner and I was willing to die for you, how much more are you able to understand and accept my love for you now? So it's understanding that even though it's our flaws who, are, who we are, who we're not, who are, and who we're not learning to become, um, where, where the enemy would like to put guilt there, it's in these areas that we're finding God's voice real loud, real strong, okay? And also real a real confidence in our hearts that we can get back to something that the church has too easily moved away from, and that's repentance. Repentance. People don't come to the altar anymore and repent. They don't. But I think that we're going to need to, okay? So I want to just... Share with you what the Lord shared with me about the altar call tonight, and we'll get back into this. Um, this has just been an introduction tonight. Um, if you want, Stephanie, but if you you know sometimes you know the musicians don't get a chance to be part of the altar call. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know you won't be here tomorrow, so I I want you to get whatever I want you to get whatever you want you need to get. Okay. Um, uh, I want to just share with you. I I shared it with Apostle on the way over tonight. This is the altar call tonight. The Lord said just ask the people to come before me and ask one thing. Why? Why? I got a feeling that what you're going to hear tonight is something that you probably've already heard in your subconscious. But he wants to hear it he wants you to hear it real loud tonight. Why is this not happened yet why has this prayer not been answered yet why is this going on in my marriage why is this still existing in my health why why everybody in this room has got a question why okay and i think that this is what the lord wants lord just wants you to get up out of your seat come up to the front tonight and express that one thing to him god Tell me tonight why. I want to hear it. And then if you won't hide yourself from yourself, then I think that there could be real breakthrough in this room. Amen? You know what's been going on since I've started sharing this? Miracles. People are getting out of wheelchairs. Because just came from a meeting, Apostle, a lady. It's just been the craziest thing. When you see somebody that has suffered the paralysis of a stroke and you watch the Lord peel it off of them like he was peeling back some type of taffy and then just stepping out of that shell and walking in healing, that's that's just mind-boggling. You know what I'm saying? But this is what's been going on. All right. So I've given the invitation for your altar call. Now, come on. Thank you for watching. For more information about Identity Church, visit us at identitychurch.net or come visit us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 777 Deltona Boulevard in Deltona, Florida. God bless.